Who is wide receiver one of the 2023 NFL draft class? Is it TCU's Quentin Johnston, Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba, or maybe there's another name that we should consider for this top spot of this class? We'll discuss it all as we rank these receivers next on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, family? Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, your daily podcast covering your favorite draft prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout with the Draft Network and your favorite and local running back guru. And there's always to talk about championship rings and things. My boy from LSU, Mr. Keith Sanchez. You can find him on Twitter at The Talent Code. Keith, talk to him, baby. What's up, Locked On family? This is Keith Sanchez, senior draft analyst with the Draft Network. Man, and like DP says, 2019 national champ. Yes, those LSU Tigers, man, but you know why we're here. The dynamic duo is here to talk championship-level content surrounding the NFL draft, baby. It's our time. Yes, we're less than 10 days. We might be, what, eight to seven days away? It's almost I think a, it's a full week. week. Uh, yeah, it's like a full week, six days or something like that. We're in Kansas City. The fireworks get started, man. But guess what? We're talking playmakers in this session, DP. We're talking those wide receivers, right? We have our list, man. One through ten. We're going to break them down into a couple segments. And then we're going to finish this show off with our guy, Ryan Tracy. Yes, you get to hear a familiar voice at the back end of the show, man. Um, He's going to showcase his big board. But let's start off with these playmakers, DP. Rank your wide receivers one through five. And I'll kind of go about mine and talk about mine also. And we may have some discrepancy in that that we have to talk about in front of the people i mean we've had discrepancies all week keith so let's get into it but first i want to give a quick shout out to uh, our sponsor hello fresh uh skip trips to the grocery store and count on hello fresh to make cooking easy fun and affordable that's why it's america's number one meal kit go to hellofresh.com slash nfl 60 and use our code nfl 60 for 60 percent off plus free shipping keith I'm just going from one, you know, we start, you like how we start, one to five. So I'm going through one through five, right? We got Quentin Johnson from TCU, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. I have Zay Flowers from Boston College, Jordan Addison from USC, Josh Downs from North Carolina is my one through five. That's crazy. Because um, I, I have that exact same one through five. I, and, and listen, I. I so I same to- order? Same order, same same exact order, man. I went Quentin, I went Jackson, I went Zay Flowers, Jordan Anderson. This is where I thought we was gonna have the biggest hiccup at, but we can talk about it. Period, right? The I, I think Quentin Johnston, Jackson Smith, people swapping those guys, right? Who's ever's yeah. one, two, whatever, whatever. But I think the 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 list, the part of the list that's going to confuse more people is the Zay Flowers ahead of Jordan Anderson. Uh, I think that's a discussion point that we should have, we should talk about because I I don't know your reasoning, but for putting Zay Flowers ahead of Jordan Addison. I know my reason, but why don't you talk to the people and let them know why you made that decision to put Zay Flowers ahead of Jordan Addison? 
Man, a tougher player in terms of, you know, body control, strength, uh, Keith, more explosive, the better athlete, right? A guy that actually can take the top off a of defense, a guy that can win at all three levels, be so much more dynamic with the ball in his hands after the catch. But you even see things on film where they try to do like a wide receiver, uh, you know, the, the, the wide receiver screen into a, you know, wide receiver pass downfield, and uh, he's able to turn it into an end around and still get 15, 20 yards upfield. There was a play in 2021 where it was called back for a fluky uh, penalty, but Zay Flowers got, you know, they gave him a, a, a handoff and he reverses field two, I think twice, finally works his way back to the to the opposite side of the sideline and takes it almost 80. He took it 80, like 80 yards for a touchdown. Like I said, it was called back, but it, it gives you, it paints a picture of how dangerous this young man is with the football in his hands, Keith. And I know that he's like, what? I think he's like 5'9", listed at the combine, like, you know, 5'9", maybe 5'10", somewhere in there. Yeah. I think he could play on the outside. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you put him at X, no. But what I'm saying is I think he has the the, the, the strength, the play strength, the explosiveness, the quick twitch to where he can threaten DBs that want to get up on him in man-to-man coverage. And at the end of the day as well, you can back him off the line. You can put the slot on the line. You can put the tight end on the line, whoever, and then pull him off the line and give him kind of that Cooper Cup type of extra space uh, so he doesn't have to worry about getting, you know, having to fight through the jam immediately. But when I look at just him and Jordan Addison, I just think he's a better player, a better dynamic guy that gives you more bang for your buck, Keith. Yeah, so with, with, with Zay Flowers, man, we've heard plenty of names, right? We've heard high-profile names, right? We've heard Antonio Brown before, talking about a smaller wide receiver yep. that can win on the outside. We've heard Steve Smith. And then, you know, from one of our guys, we've heard Santana, Santana Moss, right? And this is a name that's starting to be floated around, all which are very good players, right? And, right, and right. Those, two of those players have Hall of Fame-type careers, right? And Antonio Brown and Steve Smith. And then Santana Moss, I'm, there's a Pro Bowl caliber football players. So even if he reaches Santana Moss level, you're talking about a guy that I think projects to be, you know, really good. And then especially in this NFL, I think if you take a guy like what Santana Moss offered back in the, you know, the 2000s, the mid-2000s, right, and you place him in this, talking about run after the catchability and explosiveness, you get a very good play. And I think that's what I see with Zay Flowers. I thought about with, you know, like when Kadarius Tony was coming out and, you know, and we talked about, I even think we talked about Percy Harvin, right? Like, mm-hmm. on yep. with, um, you know, with Zay Flowers and all of those guys are guys that you can use in multiple roles, but they can also play wide receiver and be explosive mismatches. So I, I thought when I cut the film on DP, I watched them and how we did it, right? We watched all the wide receivers at one time, right? So that way we can, you know, like bank them, right? Like we can watch this guy compared to this guy compared to this guy and we can go yeah. back and forth. Um, when I watched Jordan Addison, I watched Zay Flowers, not a knock to Jordan Addison. I just seen a more explosive player, right? I seen more short area quickness. I seen more run after the catch ability. So I think this is the guy that has more of the playmaker ability in him, man. But listen, let's talk about Jordan Addison because that's still a polarizing name, right? Like some people yeah. still have him at receiver one, which is fine. We're not going to know for two, three years and mostly it'll probably be situations, right, that have determined yeah. if these wide good so i want to talk about jordan addison real quick dp um and and just what do you project him in his role to kind of be in the nfl I think he's going to be a slot receiver, Keith. You know what I mean? A guy that, that moves the chains. He is good after the catch. He runs good routes. He understands how to stem and move guys off their spot. 
Yeah, let me ask you this then. Let's let's go mm-hmm. a little bit more details. This is a guy that still has Pro Bowl ability. Like because we're talking about a top 20, top 25 pick. And yeah, I, I see your face, DP. I'm putting you on the spot, man. <laughs> it's not Dave Drew, but I'm putting you on the spot, man. Is this a guy that has Pro Bowl ability? Because that's what the people want to know. I think it's gonna be situational based. You know what I mean? Like, I think about Juju Smith when he was with Antonio Brown, right? Like, we've seen in some recent mocks. I think we just did, uh, you know, a mock draft Monday this past week where he fell to the Vikings. And if you fall to the Vikings and teams are doubling and sometimes trying to triple team your boy, Justin Jefferson, then he's going to have a lot of advantageous opportunities. But if you draft him as your number one, I think you limit what he could be early on. Uh, in his career. So I think it's going to be situational based, but I think he has the tools to be a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. Just depends on if he's going to be your wide receiver too. I think the, the path is a, is a lot easier for him. Um, you know, as a wide receiver two, getting one-on-one matchups and things that neither rather than trying to throw him in as a wide receiver one type of player, Keith. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I agree with that a hundred percent. It's situational based. And that's why I, my comps were Nelson Aguilar, Jeremy Macklin, because those are guys that we got high-level play out of in spurts, right? And it was Mm -hmm. situational-based, right? Like, who was the quarterback? And then also on top of that, who was the surrounding cast? So I think you're getting more of that. I've seen some Calvin Ridley comps to Jordan Addison. I don't know if I'm really rolling with that. Like I said, really, it was much more explosive. Yeah, my my comps are are Jeremy Macklin and Nelson Aguilar, both as players and as career trajectories. So that's what I And those are good. Those are good. I mean, it was good. You you want the 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 Las Vegas Raiders Nelson Aguilar who had almost a thousand yards, but he was like wide receiver, like three. He was behind like Darren Waller and stuff like that. He didn't have to carry the offense, but he was like their big play guy. You know what I'm saying? And, and really helped with Derek Carr. So I think, like I said, I think Jordan Nelson still is a good player um, that, that you can have on your team and be happy with. Uh, it's just the, the wide receiver one talk was never really the thing for me. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, look, and then we rounded that list out with, with Josh Downs, right? And and I got to, when we, we transition and we're about to transition, I have a conversation that I have to have, I guess, with myself, right? About this, <laughs> this, uh, this wide receiver ranking, man. And, and I'm going to have to have a talk with myself. But, man, coming up next, we're about to get into part two, right? Part two is this, man. We're ranking wide receivers six through 10. And that's still some high profile names. That's still, you know, Josh Downs. That's still possibly a Marvin Mims. That's still, you know, we haven't heard Rasheed Rice's name in a while. Is this a name that's going to pop up? Is Kayshawn Butte name going to pop up in this second um, second segment when we rank wide receivers six? through 10 man because we know in today's nfl you have to be able to go three wide receivers deep and able to make a playoff run possibly a super Bowl run so coming up next man we're going wide receivers six through ten Something exciting is coming to BuiltBar.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you don't want to miss. Uh, if, if you know how Built Bar works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world. I promise you it's true, and they do amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in a limited quanti- quantity. So mark your calendars ahead to BuiltBar.com Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. Make sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right, Keith, you know the, the talent and depth in this receiver class is something that people talk about, right? You know, you're talking about 6 through 10, Keith, and, and with these wide receivers. Let's get let's get into to, to what our rankings look like for me, you know, from six on down. So I have at number six, I have Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman. Uh, I have Houston, our boy, Tate Dell. I have Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State. 
I have Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, and then I rounded out at number ten with Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Okay, okay. We we have quite a few different names, man. We have a couple of different names. So with number six, I have Marvin Mims. I'm going Marvin Mims at number six. And so my conversation was this, man, because I'm really close to pulling the plug on this DP. Uh-huh. Putting Marvin Mims in front of Josh Downs and putting Ooh. Marvin Mims in my top five. I'm I'm so close to doing it. I know this is our final rankings, but listen to the listeners. Y- y'all might have to give me a little grace with this. This might be a last <laughs> second change right before the draft, man, because it is so close from what I see on film. And I think Marvin Mims is just a little bit more explosive. Um, and has ability to take the top, but also play the slot position. So I had Marvin Mims. Then I went Iowa State wide receiver Xavier Hutchison. Then I went Tank Dell. Then mm-hmm. I went Jalen Hyatt, and then I'm going to go Jaden Reed. And then you know I have to give an honorable mention, and, you know, I, people going to call me a homer for this, but it's okay. Catch on booty. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the film is still good enough, man. Like, I get it. He didn't run a 4-3. He ran a 4-5 flat. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But when you watch the film, you still see a productive wide receiver run after the catchability. But, DP, out of out of the list, man, what, what's a, a talking point um, that you think should be had? Man, I think for me, is is no Cedric Tillman for you, Keith. I mean, I know my boy was hurt. You know, he was banged up this past year. Jalen Hyatt got all the love in that offense. But I think with him, man, you get a prototypical X type of receiver. He runs good routes for his size. A guy that can can also has the body control to work the back shoulder fades, right? And he's a, a he's a window extender. Like, because you can throw a helmet to higher, he can attack it at the highest point. I feel like he's a more well-rounded, more expandable uh, receiver than a guy that's that was his teammate in Jalen Hyatt, where it's like, hey, a lot of manufactured stuff. Like majority of his production was manufactured. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so DP, this is where I kind of landed with Cedric Tillman. Um, it's two Michigan wide receivers that have been drafted, right? It's Donovan Peoples Jones, because I, and I continue to get these guys confused. One is for the Houston Texans. One is for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Donovan yep. Peoples Jones, and then why am I blanking um, on that? Nico Collins. Nico Collins. Yeah, those two. And they've been solid wide receivers. They haven't had best quarterback play neither. But that's when I thought about Cedric Tillman. I'm like, I look at him kind of in those like like big body wide receivers. There is some quick twitch ability there. They can make some things happen. But I just didn't know if they were top 10 wide, a, a top 10 wide receiver in this draft. But that's what I kind of comp Cedric Tillman. And I like both of those guys, right? You're talking yeah. Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think they both could be productive if they have, um, you know, adequate quarterback play but you know just with their situation it's just not there so that's why I kind of fell with Cedric Tillman man and then I'm looking at you know we talked about Tank Dell we did a whole segment on Tank Dell so people know how we feel about him but man I gotta highlight my guy Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State if he goes to the right situation I'm telling you I don't know if we have any fantasy people on here Watch out. The dude is going to the top, I think, six, seven, eight catches, route running, touchdowns. He's going to be able to mix everything. He, he just reminds me of somewhat of Keenan Allen. And I know that's that's like a glorified thing, but just the way he goes about the game, his approach, route running, preciseness. He just reminds me of Keenan Allen. So. No, I, I like that, Keith. And, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, of Hutch as well. I think a lot of people may have gotten sour on him down at the Senior Bowl because he didn't – he wasn't the athlete, you know what I mean, that, that people wanted him to be. And I think understanding what he is, man, I, I, I see – I see the Keenan Allen. I thought about Tyler Boyd from Cincinnati. I think you know, just a, I think a stronger, bigger version of that. Either. 
Uh, just it's just a bigger, stronger version of it, man. But a guy that knows how to run routes, he knows how to separate. Um, you know, it's just yeah, the athleticism is a little limited in terms of can he maintain the separation three, four steps after the break. You know, it maybe not depends on the type of corner, right? Like if it's a a high octane type of athlete that transitions and can gear back up, yeah, those guys are gonna get back in phase on them. But he's got ball skills. He's strong. Like he's got body control. He's got a lot of different things that you like, man. So yeah, is he gonna be your bona fide number one wide receiver? Maybe not. But this class doesn't have a ton of bona fide wide receivers. It's more in terms of number ones, Keith. It's more wide receiver twos and threes, and I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's and that's why you have to kind of separate. Okay, do we want us? Because you know it may be wide receiver rankings two through seven, right? It's all guys that's five ten, five eleven. 180 mm-hmm. pounds, but you may have to skip over some of those guys if you already have a slot wide receiver. Like if you're a team drafting, right, and you need a bigger body wide receiver, so now you're drafting wide receiver eight, and so you have to feel comfortable with that, right? So that's why you list off the names of Xavier Hutchison, right, from Iowa State. You list off the name. Um, who did we just talk? Cedric about? Tillman. Cedric Tillman from University of Tennessee. Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, right? These bigger body wide receivers. Um, even our guy Grant DeBose from from Charlotte. Yeah. This that's another name to throw into the mix when you're talking about bigger body guys because they're gonna have some value because this wide receiver class is so small, man. So I, I think that's gonna be an interesting dynamic to see which teams reach based on what their team already has as far as if they have a big body guy, a small body guy, and what is their need with that. So I think that's gonna be fairly interesting, DP. No, 100%, Keith. And I think, you know, you talk about, you know, um, Kayshawn being your honorable mention. Jonathan Mingo was mine. Like, I, you know, I love what this young man can become. Um, I love, you know, just the versatility. He's used to lining up all over the place. And I think the potential is 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 high for him once he gets into a solidified role in the offense. You know, Lane Kiffin played this kid at X receiver, slot receiver, you know, put him in the backfield as a halfback, put him as a off-the-ball H-back tight end. He lined him on the line as an inline tight end. They moved him all over the place because he was comfortable, but that also shows the coachability with this young man. He'll do whatever it takes the offense to be successful, but I think he gives you a prototypical X receiver role. And, you know, the, the, the comp that's out there for him, the high-end comp, is his, his former Ole Miss route receiver and Philadelphia Eagles receiver, A.J. Brown, in terms of the body type, the speed, the, the athletic profile. But you got to get He's a little more raw in terms of just playing full-time receiver because they just – Lane Kiffin offense, just put them all over the place, Keith. Yeah, I, I and, and from and from that, man, I got I got a lot of Debo Samuel S. Yep. That's another usage one. from him just doing a lot of different things. So, man, definitely look out uh, for Jonathan Mingo because this is a guy whose stock is completely elevated, man. But, DP, listen, man, we wrapped up the wide receiver. We went one through ten, right? You know, we could sit here and we could talk. We could probably go over the, all the way to wide receiver 30, man, because <laughs> we love talking about these playmakers, giving our opinions. We agreed on the first half of it, but the second half we threw in a mixed bag of names, all names of which, you know, you guys should be paying attention to because all of these guys could fly off the board. We know wide receivers go much higher sometimes than what people expect. But, man, listen, we talked the, the skill positions, but we got to get a big boy some love, man. So coming up next, our guy, like we said, familiar voice, man, Ryan Tracy. He's going to come here. He's going to talk about his big board. You know he was a trench specialist. He liked talking offensive line. He's probably going to mix in a little bit of defensive line so that way y'all get a good view, a good perspective of what this offensive line class has to offer in his 2023 NFL draft as we are one week away. And we're back with my guy, Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs. And 
voice and name that you should be familiar with from his time with NFL, <laughs> NFL draft. And we're going to talk some big boys, man. The guys that Ryan, they, they don't get enough love until you don't have an offensive line. And, and, and these are, we want to talk about your top five, man. You got some numbers, you got some, some thoughts, man. Talk to us. What, what's your top five looking like right now? You know, it, I would like to say that it was all tackles, but it's not. Um, I've, I've come around on the guy that is at the very top of my list. I tried, I tried so hard, dude, to keep him where he was. And I know you guys have done a bang up job so far. Uh, Locked on NFL draft is in great hands. And I, I hope after all this is done, we can still agree mostly, but right. I had to move Skaronsky. Skaronsky's the best player on the O-line in this draft. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep him at tackle. I tried for so long, <laughs> but in the end, I just had to put him. He's number one. O-line prospect on the guard list, and that's okay. Mm. But the cool thing is I think in a pinch he can do it, but, like, the more I watched, and honestly, when his numbers line up, you know, matrix-wise, he is the athlete that you're looking for inside. Can he hang with the the outside guys? Yeah, he can. But I think he's he's able, and you never make like to make super superlative comparisons, at least I don't. Right. But he has the ability, and he has the, the temperament, and I think the technical prowess to match Joe Tooney. And with the arm length, it's a pretty good comparison. If you need him to pop outside for a game, I'm comfortable with that. But yeah. long and short, where can he be elite for you? It's in a guard for me. I like the Joe Tooney comp. I have not thought about that. I love that. I absolutely love that because he's such a versatile guy and an unsung hero on some really good teams, of course, and, and a guy that worked well in the passing game, the pulling and screen game, athletic, plays with good enough power to move bodies at the line of scrimmage. I love that comp, man. I love that comp a lot. Thanks. And it's technical, right? That's the thing is like he's better with one arm, especially to the inside as he manages his space. Oh, him in a situation where he's the guy looking to help. I mean, it's, it's a done deal. You can do whatever you need to do. His base is the best in this class, in my opinion. There's a couple of other guys that I had to go back and forth with. But in the end, pound for pound, he's the dude. He's at the very top of mine. The question then becomes, what do you do at the tackle spots, right? Uh-huh. I'm still there. And this, it became, the more, the more I got through it, it's still Roderick Thomas at the top of the tackle list. But it isn't, it's a floor versus ceiling debate. Mm-hmm. I think Paris overall is a little bit smoother. And so, f- especially for old school coaches that just want that smooth kick and want to be able to get to your landmarks really nice and easily and be there, I think they're going to lean towards Paris. Th- that's fine. I don't mind the, a little bit more clunk right now because I see Broderick as a guy that can surpass everybody in this class, including Skaronsky, if he hits his ceiling. So his balance issues, a little bit of herky jerk there. He's going to smooth it all out. I think he just needs a little bit more time. And obviously the carousel that's been going at left tackle at Georgia has not like, it's not like he's been there for four years in that spot. I think he's got way more upside. So he's at the top Paris right below him for all those reasons. I just worry about that anchor and the ability to take on the bull for Paris and then, in a division that everybody is coming for more and more bull and work off of that. Like the speed rushers starting to fall away a little bit. And so it's like, I am a little bit more concerned about power. So I put Paris there. He's, he's solid. He's not going anywhere. And then it became the question of who comes next. It's, it's back and forth. But in the end, I like the, the expertise and the experience that can cross over for Darnell, right? His 2021 tape is, Swiss cheese, you might want to say. There's holes, man, but <laughs> but he cleaned it up on the right-hand side. But just the fact that he's gone over there, for me, is still a plus. I know it didn't look super clean, 
but it's still a plus for me. So I've got him as the third tackle, fourth overall, and then it became it's been blow to blows. And I just I just stacked my board here within the last three days. And uh, you guys can find it out there on NFL33.com. Not a problem. It'll be out for free here on Monday. You can cross them all off as they come along. And just by a hair's whisker, I ended up going uh, Avila, my number two guard, over Anton Harrison, my number four tackle. And it was pretty close. But in the end, I like Steve's versatility. I think that he can pull together and really be a guide inside to be a force. I know we're all talking about the center class from next year. Well, we'll get there next year. Right now, I think right. Avila can do everything that you need him to do on the interior. Um, I know everybody's really high on, on Osiris Torrance from Florida. I don't know how you feel. Do, if you just contrast those two guys, where do you come out on them? Man, <clears throat> I like them both. Um, you know, Osiris, you know, I spent some time with him down in Mobile. And, and I, I love the self-awareness. He talked about how he was, you know, he had, he dropped weight, you know, heading into the mobile because he realized he was playing uh, heavier than he needed to be. He was like, you know, he was top heavy and that messed with his footwork and his quickness laterally. And then watching him down in mobile, I was like, okay, dropping that weight absolutely helped you. Um, and if he plays at the, the, the weight that he was at down in mobile, I think that, you know, I would have him a little bit higher than, than Avila because I felt like his feet move much quicker paced down in Mobile. But I think both of these guys, gap scheme type of guards, physical maulers, upfield, you know, vertical pushers, and, and really going to improve someone's run game at the next level. I, I really like both of those guys um, and, and what they bring to the table because for me, of course, being a former running back, I need guys like that on the interior <laughs> to beat some dudes up and move them off the ball. So I, I like both of those guys. I have – like I said, if Osiris plays at the weight and the way he did down in Mobile, um, in terms of the the lower body movement, I'll have him over Avila. Okay, does this change it for you though? When when I take a look at clean pocket percentage, and that's just the volume of pressures that you allow. It doesn't matter what their outcome is, yeah. just the volume. Avila's hands and away the better prospect over Torrance in terms of how much pressure he gives up. He's number one in this class over all the tackles and Skaronsky as well. That's kind of like, I try not to let production be the thing that tips the scale, yeah. but in the end, it's the icing on the, on the cake that between tight prospects can really sway it for me. Does that change anything for you? No, I mean, that definitely plays a part. You have to you have to look at the analytics and pair it, pair it up with the tape, and that makes sense, you know what I mean? Because you watch Osiris and the, the footwork, and he just looked you could tell he was top heavy. You could just see that he was heavy on on, on film and see that, you know, it really – when teams wanted to stress him, especially those SEC athletic rushers and all those blitz packages, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could tell – and he had some good moments, but it was more so upper body where, you know, there's reps that he's blocking two guys at one time, and it wasn't because he was able to mirror and, and, and have good footwork. It was just like, man – I got two strong arms, two strong hands. I'm going to go ahead and get my hands on you and stonewall you both. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, no, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense because that pairs up very well uh, with the tape in general, 100%. I, I think the other thing that I come back to is there's a, plenty of guys who didn't give up a whole lot of sacks. But it, it then comes back to the pressure percent because I think what we're skipping a lot in this class, and it comes down to the guys who didn't make my top five, right? So it comes down to uh, Cody Mock. Uh, Matt Bergeron, Tipman, Dewan, guys that are, are there and they have decent numbers, but in the end, it's about the projection to the next level. And that's where I think those guys just fell short. Anton was really close, like I was saying, to being uh, a top five for me. He is six overall in the offensive line for me right now. But again, it's, it's that power and that ability. His feet are fine, 
I mean, and I'd even argue that he in the second is probably not as good a value as his partner, Wanya, in the fourth. Right. But that's me. In the end, it's about who projects better, and that's that's was the, the big tiebreakers for me and why my top five set the way it is. No, I mean, and, and, and you make some good points because I feel like Wanya – is one of those guys, man, toolsy, five-star kid, athletic. Like, I liked what I saw from him down in Mobile. It's just a lot with him. It's just, okay, I look at him technically and mechanically. I, I just need about to get him with a good offensive line coach for about a year, right? It's one of those mm-hmm. drafting stash guys. You, you, you're, if you're, you think about the Patriots, right? Where the Patriots bringing in Riley Reef as that kind of a stopgap right tackle right now for the, this season. If they didn't want to go tackle early, they can go Wanya Morris, you know, on day, you know, day two, maybe early day three, and let him work with the O-line coach get those mechanical aspects and technical aspects more refined and down packed. And then now he's your starting right tackle heading into 2024 when you allow Riley. And then he gets to sit behind the Riley Reef and the Trent Brown, two veteran tackles and learn how to be a pro and, and, and watch those guys win and and watch them lose. And then you got, you get, to, you get that experience. I know we talk about it, especially with quarterbacks and stuff. People are like, man, you, you need the reps, you know? And then that, while that's true, but it, it, it does bear, like uh, success to be able to step back and watch, watch someone else win and lose, watch someone else, you know, do good things and throw touchdowns. And okay, he just threw an interception in the double coverage. I don't need to do that. And it's the same thing <laughs> with tackle, same thing with running back and receiver. So I think he's one of those guys that we, if a team drafts and stashes one day, I think you know, in two years, we're talking about one of the, one of those kind of premier type of tackles because he has all the physical tools to be an absolute stud. And one of those guys, I always talk about this, Ryan. Like, people always say quarterback is the most difficult position to play. And I get it. I disagree wholeheartedly because I feel like it's tackle and I feel like it's corner. Because there's only two positions in football where you're saying you're on the island retreating while someone who's a better athlete than you is attacking. And you have to do your job and keep and, and keep them at bay. Corner and offensive tackle are the two toughest, most difficult positions because, man, you're by yourself half the time. Yeah, they might keep a tight end, you know, and help kind of chip and block sometimes. But typically, they want you to be able to hold your own on an island and do your thing. And that's really hard with these athletic, long, explosive, powerful rushers in the NFL. So I like Wanya Morris for his tools and his developmental upside. And I think he's kind of like really the, the prototypical guy in this class is that he represents a lot of guys that are outside the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um Braden Daniels is the same for me. Uh, McClendon from Georgia is the same for me. Pad level's crucial. Like, back to fundamental football. Get your pads down and don't give your chest away, and I'm going to be much happier with you, and I agree. You can learn that by watching a vet do it, and I think that that is the transition that those guys need to make. No, not not – I will not agree with – I will not disagree with you because it's just – it makes so much sense – and it's just, you know, we, we family listeners, we, we're just saying that to you. So if your team drafts one of these kids, these one of these young men on day late day two, day three, and they're not starting week one, that's not a bad thing. Allow them to grow and develop. Woosah, take a breath, trust the veterans that you have, and just say, hey, I'm believing in the plan for this young man. That's just how I look at it, guys. But listen, Ryan, like, before we get out of here, go ahead and tell the people about your draft guide that you guys did a wonderful job on. Thank you. I appreciate that. And folks, if you remember from last year, we've we've upped the ante. It's not just the athleticism metrics and all the production. It, it is tied in with all of our film work as well. And we, we did an algorithm this year to try to make it a little bit more seamless. So now you get an overall grade that ties all three together. 
together, much like the discussions go on in every war room across the league, you can get in our room right now at rogueapc.com. Go over there and use the code uh, MATRIXLOC. You can use that right now and get yourself a discount. I think you'll dig it. It's a nice companion to go through the draft as you're listening to the guys here, uh, make sure you're listening to Locked On NFL Draft as we go through. This is going to be a lot of fun. First time we've all had all this stuff coming together. I'm looking forward to the draft. I hope I hope I can stay awake for it all right now. To <laughs> I have to stay awake. I'm going to be in Kansas City. What's going on? So I have you no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I have no choice. But maybe we can link up and grab some dinner while we're, while we're down there, brother. Uh, but yeah, listen, man. guys, we appreciate Ryan, you know, for coming on and, and, and ending the show out with us. And we appreciate all the love and support, especially to all our everydayers, man. For y'all making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen every day, Monday through Friday, go subscribe or follow for free on YouTube. Wherever you listen to podcasts, the latest episode, as soon as it's available. Listen, it is happy Friday. The weekend is up. And guess what? Next Monday, we got Mock Draft Monday, the final Mock Draft of the 2023 NFL Draft season because it's draft week. So tap in with us uh, next week. You know me, DP, your boy Damian Parson on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. Uh, you know, Ryan Tracy, you can find him on Twitter at uh, Ryan Tracy NFL. And shout out to my boy from LSU, my co-host Keith Sanchez, who's not here with us. Find him on Twitter at The Talent Code. Come and join the conversation again Monday on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.